From the living room of the Doofus home, this is the second episode of A Latter-Day Family Podcast. I am Latter-Day Doofus. I'm Latter-Day Snark. And I'm just messing around. Well, we uh, are so overwhelmed by the overwhelming response from our first episode. Thank you, all five of you who listened. (laughs) At least three of you enjoyed it, and it's just more than we ever could have hoped for. So uh, we'll see if we can double that this week. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Today's episode will be better, though. We are going to cover uh, mostly some parenting topics. And just a quick disclaimer, uh, if you are triggered by other people talking about having uh, kids and and the joy of having kids, we totally get it. And maybe this isn't the episode for you. Uh, We look forward to having kids for pretty much as as early back as as we can remember and we ended up getting married later into our 20s snark a little later than me (laughs) almost 30s (laughs) (laughs) and then for the first four years of our marriage we were unable to to have children unable to conceive and so we absolutely know the frustration of feeling like you are hoping and looking forward to and unable to have that blessing in your life if this is not a topic you really particularly want to hear about, maybe listen to the next episode when we're not talking about it exclusively. And with that, we will get to it. Today, our focus isn't just raising children in general, but specifically how our understanding of agency impacts our approach to parenting. And for me, it really boils down to my job not being so much about ensuring that my kids make specific choices, not being able to control their choices, but really understanding that it's my job to help them understand the plan of salvation, to really know what's at stake. Kind of a example of this or, or how this plays out that comes to mind for me is from at work when there's a substitute teacher in a given class. You can always tell the teachers that have a very authoritarian approach to classroom management by how their kids their students behave when there's a substitute. Mm-hmm. So as soon as there's a sub, those classes are totally misbehaved. The kids, all the rules go out the window and the kids are basically trying to see how they can get away with doing whatever the the opposite of the rules were and what they can get away with. And the teachers who really help their students internalize the expectations and really make it more of a, a community agreement. If there's a substitute, I mean, I've seen classes where even when there was no substitute present and I was just there in the corner on the phone trying to work with the office to figure out how the class was going to be covered, <laughs> those classes, you know, everyone's getting out their materials. They know where to be. They're they're helping each other. It's more accountability to the expectation, not accountability to an individual. So specifically talking about agency, for me, I don't think that the fear of punishment or the desire for reward alone is as effective as, you know, even in small ways, even at whatever's appropriate for their age, helping them internalize that. Yeah, that makes sense. The way that I think about agency is a little bit different um, with our children than it was when I was a child, just because when I was a kid, we, I didn't even expect to have agency. I, um, 
was brought up in a home with one parent that was quite abusive verbally. And um, it's not like we just had a bunch of rules and I knew which one, what they were and to follow them. And I didn't have agency in that way. It was more of a, my mom, the one that was abusive was, would tell me what to do pretty much all the time. And if I didn't, if I made wrong decisions or things like that, uh, she would tell me that they were wrong in not nice ways. Um, so when I went to have our children, I felt like it was a learning curve for me. I didn't really know where to draw the line. I figured just go a little too easy, probably. Mm -hmm. It's definitely the softy of our relationship, especially <laughs> at the beginning, <laughs> don't you think? And I veered the other way. Yeah, I was definitely a little too harsh. But, yeah, yeah, we kind of didn't have a good balance for the first several years of our, of having kids where I'd want to give uh, way too much leeway just so that I wasn't that abusive parent that I'd had. And then you were definitely more of like the rule. Well, yeah, coming yeah. from from just from my work experience, yeah. I saw every decision that our kids made as leading them down a delinquent path if I didn't intervene. So yeah. it'd be like, like I would even joke and be like, I don't want to, and then name a kid by name that I need yeah. from work. <laughs> <laughs> I want to raise one of those. Yeah. And, um, you know, putting a little bit too much emphasis on like, which, you know, how a three-year-old responds to being potty trained and, and thinking that that's going to suddenly turn them into a shoplifter. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like I wanted to be like, a free range parent where I just said, do whatever you want, eat whatever you want and had no rules whatsoever, but right, like my sister. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely was more of a, yeah, easy parent <laughs> than sure. you were, but I think I've gotten to a better point by now, but yeah, we both balance each other out. Um, you know, the way that you characterize the way that you were raised, it sounds almost just like it was, you know, you got a, a talking to or something like that, but we're talking about actual like verbal, and physical abuse yeah. that was the consequence if you didn't respond to the verbal and, um, you know, threats and insults and just really demeaning stuff. So I think, I mean, I can only imagine experiencing that you not, not only internalizing that, but also not wanting to even come close to that. And so, yeah, just like yeah. Tanner Guzzi has talked about, like you were trying to go down the straight and narrow, you really don't want to go off one way. And so you overcorrect the yeah, other way exactly i mean i've dealt with it in a lot of ways but i'm still um have that impacting the way that i am now for sure still a work in progress yeah to get that balance yeah and along those lines what what were some of your misconceptions or just general ideas about parenting that have changed since you become a parent the first one is just that I would be able to figure it all out once I had a child. <laughs> like right. I just figured I'd get the child and then you I'd are be endowed to... <laughs> with the knowledge of parenthood. <laughs> Not Congratulations. like magically right at once even, but like that I'd be able to just figure it out by knowing the child and knowing what they needed. But that has not been the case at all. There's been tons of times where we had to talk to other people, add kids and get their opinions or Enter Inter the blogosphere. Internet has been <laughs> very helpful. <laughs> Mommy bloggers. <laughs> yeah. That's been one that I I think I thought that before I had kids. Sure. But it wasn't the case. There's plenty of stuff that you do figure out and that you do know. Right. And it just, just comes really trenches. naturally to you by figuring it out. But yeah. but not everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> for sure. Not by a stretch. <laughs> uh, another one is that one misconception was that 
people were just constantly going to be judging you and your parenting. And maybe they are some of the time, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just, and you don't feel it. Like no. I, if I'm at church or if I'm out in public, it's no. not. I remember one time when we were, we were at church and there we were in a room with a group of people. And then a lady that had a baby with her, um, needed to not be holding the baby. And I was pregnant with our first at the time. And so I was scared to death that someone was going to ask me to hold the baby and I wasn't <laughs> going to be able to keep it quiet. Like I wasn't going to be able to like, stop it from crying. Right. I remember having this huge anxiety attack the whole time <laughs> until they handed it to someone else that had already had like other kids. Yeah. But I remember thinking they're going to hand it to me and they're going to think I'm bad. That yeah. woman is bad at she's holding that ready. baby and she's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and thinking back about that, it's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> but yeah, that makes sense. I remember feeling it for real like oh shoot they're gonna think i'm terrible at this and i shouldn't yeah. have a baby <laughs> yeah i think people are thinking that a lot less than you think they are and like i said right. if they are it doesn't matter <laughs> right i think depending on your personality type that probably comes up more than yeah you know for some than others but I'm you and i happen to be yeah we're very neurotic <laughs> so it works against us exactly and then another one was the um I thought beforehand, since it did take us several years to have kids, I thought I would just love it all the time and I would never take it for granted. Like I remember right. seeing other moms uh, complaining about their kids and stuff like that and thinking, I'm never going to do that because this has taken me so long to be able to actually be a mom. And for the most part, I do appreciate it on the day to day, but of you course. still are going to get frustrated Yeah, and you're still going to like want to just shut your door on your bedroom and lay on your bed for <laughs> a few minutes to take a break from you know kids having a tantrum yeah someone's yelling at you <laughs> four voices they're, demanding things from yeah, you. yeah they're asking you for stuff back to back to back to back and you just need a second to breathe but like i said i do love being a mom so i don't think i take it for granted necessarily but you still need the moments to be a human <laughs> yeah it's not all sunshine and roses yeah, and you're exactly. not gonna just be like i'm thankful for every single moment which you're, you're grateful for it but yeah in the moment it's still possible to become overwhelmed and become frustrated exactly. to be imperfect you don't become a non-human person right. just because you become a parent robot mom yeah and just to clarify because it just occurred to me as i was referencing our four children i don't think we've ever mentioned on here so we we have four children and uh their ages five months three years five years and seven years so i grew up with a single mom and i didn't have uh any you know real father figure and so for me i thought that dads were um mostly kind of stern or serious or or kind of had more of a um just kind of that stereotypical masculine authoritarian approach and didn't really yep. get to do as much of the goofy stuff. Yep. And um, it was a really exciting and welcomed <laughs> relief to see that I absolutely could still be goofy and still joke around <laughs> with my kids and kind of have that like fun air and they still could take me seriously yeah. when it was time to take me seriously. Yep. So it wasn't like I had to be Mr. Stiff upper, upper lip all the time and, and <laughs> sit in the corner just waiting to discipline yep. that I could be making a goofy joke and, and having everyone laughing in the next minute I could be sending them for a timeout or yeah. talk to them sternly <laughs> or whatever needed to be done. Yeah. Speaking of timeouts, that was another one that I thought was so important and so helpful that uh, we did way too much of with our first yeah. child <laughs> and realized that that was a total waste of time. 
unless it was an absolute necessity. There were a lot of other interventions that worked much better before a timeout became necessary. Anyway, um, I think I hear our, speaking of our five-month-old, I think I hear him. So let's take a brief intermission and come back in a moment and maybe with a baby. And we're back with a baby. One thing I wanted to mention as well is I really did not have an understanding of developmental levels. I I was an uncle. I am an uncle. And (laughs) I uh, spent a lot of time with my nephews. And so I did have some experience with young kids. But I really didn't understand as deeply as I do now the different approaches that you take depending on how old your kids are. And so that's been something that has uh, been a real strength the more I've learned about it because I realized that you know, the, the approach that may work with a two-year-old is not necessarily going to work with a four-year-old or seven-year-old, or even just depending on the age, the same thing might not work from one day to the next or one yeah. moment to the next. And you need to understand that instead of just beating your head against that brick wall, you you can try different things. And, and going back to agency, respecting that that's part of their learning. So just because you don't feel like trying something different or you, or you, you know, really just want to win that argument. There may be a lesson in there for them that is a lot more valuable if you just take a little bit more time and are a little bit more patient than whatever is the most expedient for your day or for whatever task you're trying to accomplish. And that's something I, I think that you do really well is never letting your impatience get the best of you or maybe not never, but most (laughs) of the time not. And um, really investing in whatever you think is best for our kids. It's clear that that's always your priority is what's best for them. And I'm definitely more of a lost in my thoughts and and kind of a, you know, often have things on my mind. And so it's a little bit more tempting for me sometimes to want to just get rid of them or, you know, get them satisfied, whatever will quickest resolve it. And that's something I've had to consciously work on is to think, okay, well, what developmentally is going to be most helpful for them or, or what can I actually expect of them in this situation and then move from there? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think our second, our second kid definitely taught me that lesson the most just because when she's, you know, when she's upset or when (laughs) she is feeling uh, anxious or not comfortable, she just completely goes nonverbal. She won't not talk. It's interesting, like you say, with different kids have different needs because our son's not like that. Our oldest son. No. Um, just the different techniques that you can use with the different kids. But she definitely, if you just are more patient with her, you can get that, get past that with her. And she will tell you what's the matter with words and things like that. But as soon as she sees that you lost patience, it's like, yeah, you're in for forever. I'll see your loss of patience and raise you a <laughs> loss of words. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that really touches on the last thing that we wanted to talk about. Well, second, to last thing we want to talk about. And that is, how becoming a parent has impacted our relationship with Heavenly Father. And that's exactly it. I I realized that temperament and developmental level play into every decision that you make as a parent. And so realizing that from the perspective of a father has helped me better conceptualize how Heavenly Father feels about me in my weakness and in, in my foolishness and the things that I struggle with as well as in my strengths. I mean, I genuinely have felt more of a connection with him, um, recognizing my talents, recognizing my abilities, 
when I know that how, how proud I am of, of my own kids for even mm-hmm. just the simplest little things. And I see the excitement in them and I want to encourage that and, and reward that. And then I think of, okay, well, if, if I, as an imperfect father, am capable of feeling this much love and this much, uh, you know, have this high of standards for my children, then I know that my father in heaven expects the best of me. And he's yeah. not doing it out of uh, thinking that something is expected of me that I can't do. It's he really sees that potential in me and he wants me to reach it. Yeah, that's a great one. How about for you? The thing that I'd say the most is just how earnestly and how often I pray. That's definitely sure. improved since we have children. Feels like more occasion to <laughs> constantly praying day and night for them or for myself to be more patient or for myself to be able to figure things out or to give them the best that I have. It's, it's just more of a constant dialogue than I've ever had any other time in my life, I think. It really is a partnership, right? He's trusting oh, yeah. you with his kids. Mm-hmm. He's given you this soul that is his spirit child. Yeah. And with the expectation from a gospel lens that you help them return to him. Yeah. It's a huge responsibility. And yet at the same time, he's given you ownership in that and said, well, not only am I just lending them to you where you just do this and then you send them back to me and you know, like a babysitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And whatever. It's like, well, no, you, they will, they are now part of you and you part of them and yeah. they're part of your eternal family. And so, <laughs> yeah, you know, I compare it to babysitting or dog sitting or something like that, but it's like, when you do babysit or, or house sit or dog sit, it's kind of like that sense of relief or that, you know, kind of not having to own it too much. Cause like, well, whatever yeah. happens at the end of the day, I can just pass <laughs> exactly. them off. But there's this real investment. Yeah. That we have where it's a recognition that not only am I creating this person accountable for them, but I have to live with them. Like I have yeah. to interact <laughs> with them. And so I'd rather interact with and live with a decent human being who has character yeah. and, and has grit and, you yeah. know, knows how to be kind when it counts, but also knows how to stand up for themselves when it counts. Yeah. Then to raise a wet noodle or a jerk or yeah, and more neurotic than I am. Yeah. <laughs> individual. I don't want to create that. So yeah, it's a it's a great balance between responsibility, trust, and that dependence on Heavenly Father. Yeah, and I feel like as you get to know each kid a little bit better, even just from the beginning, but just as they grow, then you get to know their personalities and their spirits better and better as they get bigger and i just always think heavenly father sent me these particular spirits and i'm sure like every parent thinks this like yeah i got the best ones <laughs> right <laughs> so i always think trademark I got the- <laughs> no one else can think that now <laughs> i got the best ones sent to me so it feels like a lot of responsibility but you know i mean i guess it's great that every parent would think that but that's how I feel yeah. about our many kids. So do. yes, many. Maybe mine did. Uh, yeah, we know there's some abusive ones who should, but don't. But but yeah, we won't get into that in this episode. <laughs> All right. So this 40 pound turkey here. No, I'm just kidding. He's not 40 pounds, but 20. What is he pushing? Like 23, 23 pounds. Yeah. Uh, he's five months old and 23 pounds, wearing 18 month clothes. He is giving me a run for my money. He really wants to grab the microphone and the computer and all these interesting things that he sees. So if you hear me struggling, I, it's not me trying to struggle for words. I'm just sumo wrestling, a very abnormally large baby, (laughs) but to end our episode, we would like to uh, take things to a little bit lighter place. It was nice to talk about 
more spiritual and more serious things, but we want to end on a light note and uh, talk about some of the things that we miss from our childhood. And for me, that mostly means from the 90s. But of course, for Latter-day Snark, we have to include the 80s because <laughs> she's a little more advanced in years. A little more advanced <laughs> in years. So I thought maybe we could just trade off. We haven't sure. we haven't really shared our list with each no. other, so it'll be interesting to see if there is any overlap. Um, but maybe we can just go back and forth. Okay, and all of my things, they still exist today, but they were just things that I enjoyed at that time. Yeah. And maybe are not as common, but they've in the last how long has it been since I like 40 years? <laughs> 30 or 40 years, they have come back. Yeah. So just disclaimer. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So if it's something that there's a nostalgic like, hey, resurfacing. Well, well, you could go to com. Yeah, that's for you all, you smart Alex out there. So my first one is real toys in the cereal boxes. I feel like I've seen a few stickers or tattoos or cards over the last few years here and there, but there are no like actual toys. I remember right. when you could get a physical toy that you could, you could open and play with and dump all the cereal out all over know. the table right. to get to it. Those are just, I have, if somebody knows a brand that still does that, please let me know. I will support them wholeheartedly. No, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good one. Okay. My top one has to do with pop soda. Pop. Yep. Oh, there's a lot okay. of Utah members listening. We don't have <laughs> <Okay>. to say. <laughs> we don't have to specify. We know what pop is. Okay. It's that Shasta pop that they came in. <laughs> the quality. The, it was the junkie Safeway. pop from the <laughs> junkie store, but it came in like a million different flavors. You had, you know, a fruit punch. You had the standard orange and grape. Grape fruit absolutely. punch, pear, pear. strawberry, <laughs> watermelon. Oh. lemon lime of course but that's a standard but they had like every flavor yeah so whatever you were in the mood for you could get it for you like a six pack for like 50 cents <laughs> yeah that so, those were pretty amazing that was pretty great yeah because even as a kid you could scrounge some money somewhere oh, and yeah afford to go buy exactly you could find that on the ground somewhere yeah you could. <laughs> in those days. back when coins were a thing <laughs> anyway that's my top one nice uh my next one is Kmart, just oh, in general, yeah. Kmart. This is something we've discussed in Kmart. the foyer group chat. But yep. I, Kmart used to be a more interesting place. It did. It, in it's our nice. yeah, in our particular town, it used to be a safer place. You didn't <laughs> have to worry about getting possibly mugged or your car broken into or both. A lot more quality things that you could get. Like that was actually mm -hmm. the place. It, it didn't have the same stigma that it has now, where that's where you go to get cheap crap that's going to fall stuff. apart. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of like. Where you go, like if you need jeans, There's you go and get there. the good jeans that are going to last for four years. Yeah. And so your mom would go and buy you four sizes too big yeah. so you could quote unquote <laughs> grow into them. <laughs> and you knew they were going to last and, and not fall apart. I remember we'd always go there for back to school shopping. We get the like, you know how Bed Bath & Beyond, they have their towels stacked up like oh, yeah. color. They'd have the sweatshirts and sweatpants <laughs> that matched stacked up exactly yes. like that. All the way from floor <laughs> to ceiling. Just all Sweat color coordinated. <laughs> you could get those pants and the sweatshirt. It's amazing. <laughs> did you ever wear those? The yes, matching sweatsuit? I did. Oh my gosh. That we was maybe more of an 80s one than a 90s. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get the chance to do that. Yep. <laughs> I had the denim thing going and plenty of other oh, embarrassing, yeah. but <laughs> that was one I definitely did. And my sister did. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. My next one was uh, 
being able to get baseball cards at the grocery store and they'd have like all the different brands. There's yeah. Tops brand that had the like little tiny stick of gum in there that was super hard. I'd always get the I don't think I ever got to yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. It was only on the, a couple of brands. We so I'd pick whichever one I was in the mood for. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes get the Don Russ, sometimes get the Tops ones with the gross gum. Okay, and tell our listeners, what did you do with those baseball cards? Put them in their little sheet protectors <laughs> in a big binder yeah. at home. <laughs> and I wrote, a, when I was in like third grade, I wrote a fan letter to my favorite baseball player and asked him for an autographed card. And he sent me one back, which was awesome. That is awesome. And who was that? Will Clark from the San Francisco Giants. Excellent. Yep. Any Giants <laughs> fans out there, you can feel especially envious. <laughs> Although... Uh, the aforementioned mother who controls everything. Kidnapped. Yeah. Did, did not let her take it when she moved out of the house. So we still don't have possession of that card. Yes. But maybe that could be a, a 2021 goal. There you go. The extraction of the... Somehow get that back. Yeah. Uh, my next one is how everyone used to have to listen to whatever music was on the radio. And so mm -hmm. if there was some new exciting song, you could talk to people about that song and they knew what you were talking about. Like there was that common, yeah. oh, this song came out or, or, and most of the time I would do it in a mocking way. Like, especially in my teen <laughs> years, like it was like more, oh my gosh, did you hear that sync song? It was oh, so dumb. Or yeah, bad ones. Britney Spears is so hot, <laughs> but her music sucks. So that type of stuff. Yeah. But you, that's just not even a thing. Like everyone's on their own. Yeah. However they're listening to their music, it's not all listening to the same thing. They've got no. their playlist, they program it in, they have their earbuds in and it's convenient of course, but there's just not that common opportunity to know the the song that's overplayed currently that you can kind of mock and make fun of and yeah it's true. joke around about definitely oh my next one was those uh stretchy wide 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 headbands that were made of fabric <laughs> they cover like <laughs> a third of your head from your forehead <laughs> like the survivor uh yeah, headbands like that they made bandana and fold it but yeah. it's not it's like that stretchy material yeah and um my mom taught me how to sew them so i sewed myself <laughs> a ton of them <laughs> just basically wear it all the time yeah. <laughs> all right my last one is uh actually one that i'm going to show not tell see give this a listen and tell me if this brings back any memories Oh, that groove. We're going to have some fun. See how it's done, TGIF. <laughs> oh, man, I miss TGIF. I loved that you could just count on it no matter what happened in your week, Friday night, and the mood is right. <laughs> oh, wait, we already covered that. You could tune in and you knew that you were going to get whatever it was, like a two-hour block of some of the best programming, <laughs> and by best, I mean worst, but familiar programming on TV. And, um, oh, those were just great shows. Family Matters, Perfect Strangers. Is this where you watch City Guys? Or <laughs> no, that was Saturday morning. <laughs> okay. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 90 shows. Yeah. And songs. Yeah, I missed out on that one, actually. Oh, TGIF was great. That was probably when a lot of times you were doing, not watching necessarily that type of program, watching ball games and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of my list. Okay, well, I have two more. Uh, one is crimped hair, which I know your sister <laughs> yes. loved. Oh my gosh. I loved yes. the look of crimped hair, but my mom would not let me do it. I don't know if it's because she didn't want to buy a crimping iron for me or she just 
wanted to control. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I don't it was know. Too ethnic. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I never got to do it. Not even once to my hair. Oh, so man. that was one that I was always really jealous of other people do. But Fun. I still miss it because I did love the look of it. Fun fact. <laughs> I have had my hair crimp. <laughs> I believe the you. joys of growing up with a single mom and a sister who's <laughs> 10 years older than you and having a bowl cut constantly because your mom <laughs> won't ever let you have a cool short haircut. Then your hair is long enough for your sister to crimp it against your will. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so you could be jealous of my crimping experience. Not. <laughs> it's not fun. That thing gets so hot. It was terrifying. I bet because you have to do it like really close to your yes, scalp. Yes, and you have to hold so still. Okay. Dramatic. I'll take that one off my... Traumatic. Jealous list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not missing out. <laughs> and then my last one is one that I did do, and it was wearing Doc Martens constantly, <laughs> <laughs> which is something pretty much all 90s kids did. Oh my gosh. Did you have a big trench coat to go with it? No. Did you paint your fingernails black? <laughs> no. All right, fine. I but, approve then. <laughs> but I was just kind of a nerdy kid who wore Doc Martens every day in high school. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the first year in college until yes. I knew better <laughs> that they were out of style by that time. <laughs> oh, I man. still wish I could wear them. Yeah. I'm glad that you don't. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're not on eBay finding oh. all of the old pairs. You can buy new ones. Now they came back. Oh, that's true. Okay, fine. Finding new pairs. <laughs> that's a, that's a, Tender mercy. Mm, there's a lot Thank of you. there's a lot of fun other shoes now, but yeah, I did love those. Yeah, you rock the Vans much better. Yeah, and that that rolls with yeah the current crowd. Well, at the least Doc Martens never wore out. I had like two <laughs> pairs for like ten years, and they weren't even worn out when I was done wearing them. <laughs> now you sound like a Kmart mom. <laughs> but the Vans, they wear out. Oh you know, gosh. a few pairs yeah. a year. They're, they're, low quality shoes so, i hate to say it i know it's... which doesn't make sense because they're created for skaters who are supposed to be wearing them out right like it's their job i guess that's the status though is if your vans get worn out and look yeah, rough around the edge cool. you're still wearing them yeah that's kind of the cool I, know. I just don't like when the rubber sole comes off on the bottom and then like you wear them in the rain or something around. and then you wear them to the beach just like full of sand full of water we could <laughs> devote an entire episode to fashion function over fashion yeah. and our views on that we, we should could. we could all right well i literally don't have any strength left <laughs> really to hold this baby him. i need to just hand him off to the woman who can put him back to sleep but thank you for listening hopefully you uh had some thought provoking <laughs> moments oh he's really just had it with me and uh if there are any topics you would like us to cover both of you who are listening let us know We'd love to hear about it. And uh, until next time, bye, everybody. Bye. We're going to have some fun. Show you how it's done, TGIF.